Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's emptying the mailbag. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who is the king of Marina Del Rey. Ooh, yeah, that's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, who will be golfing in Hawaii as you're listening to this podcast. That's right, Trey Newman. All right, today we are going to answer all of your mailbag questions. So thanks to all the fourth bros who sent those in. For all of the new listeners, if you haven't already, we'd really appreciate if you went in your podcast app and left us a five-star review. And then, Ryan, should I tell everyone about our ubiquitous social media? I mean, we'll be here all night, but go ahead. Now, you know what? I'm going to leave it to Instagram. Go to our Instagram at College Football Bros, because if you go there right now, we've got a picture of an email that Trey received from Scott Frost. Yeah. It's a nice little tease. That was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. All right. Let's get into the mailbag. Ryan, why don't you get us started? Sure. All right. So our first question comes from uh, Rutgers Todd. Um, and he says, hey, guys, uh, since you told me to focus on Army this year because of Rutgers being Rutgers, um, here it goes. He asks, do you think Jeff Munkin stays at Army for the rest of his career? You know, he seems to have built uh, the program back to respectability. Um, and then he finishes with, love the podcast, gets me through the mundane driving in my day. Awesome. Thanks for the email. Um, so I would usually bet against just about anybody staying there for their entire career. But I'm going to make the case for this one because I think he's more likely than most other coaches to to do that. So two reasons. The first one is he's not super young. He's 52 years old. And most of the coaches that make their way from G5 to, let's say, a Power 5 job are are kind of 30s and 40s. Like if you just look at the coaches that did that this past season, Neil Brown, 38, Matt Wells, 45, Scott Satterfield, 45, Jeff Collins, 47. And then I guess the oldest, if you want to count it from from FCS to uh, to Power 5, was Chris Kleeman at 51. So He's definitely over the hill as far as coaching, you know. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of. It, it, it happens, but it's, it's rare. Um, and then second reason, probably the bigger reason, is that he's an option head coach. And it seems like almost no big schools want to hire an option coach. So... I think those are the reasons why it could happen. So I personally think he's going to leave, and that's simply because it's going to be difficult to duplicate or exceed the results that he's had recently. I think I, I would think a bad Power 5 program should hire him so that their offense could kind of differentiate from the rest of the mold, and there'll be a difficult matchup, and you can recruit uniquely to to that skill set. Uh, I mean, we know it didn't completely work out with Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech, but it also wasn't a complete failure. So I, I just don't see why it would hurt a program like a Rutgers or Illinois or maybe even like a Vanderbilt, or, you know, the Kansases, the, the Wake Forests to try it out. I agree, actually, with Trey. I'm going to say that he ends up somewhere else um, just because he's going to have had so much success. I mean, it's likely that they're going to have another good year. They're set up for having another good year. And the schedule sets up super nicely. Exactly that too. And he's been at other places before. It's not like he's an army guy. He's been, he's coached at Navy. He's coached at Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech. So I don't think he's, you know, a born and bred army guy where he takes extreme amount of pride in it. I'm sure he takes pride in it, but 
you know, I, I could see it moving on. And Trey, you took my sentiments like Illinois, something like that, where you need a variety of offense. You cannot have do what everybody else is doing. You're not going to succeed in that because you're not going to out athlete other other teams. You need a variety, something like the option offense that could level the playing field a little bit. So I, I like Trey's thought, train of thought there. Yeah, I mean, people have been saying that for for quite a while. You look, Oregon State this you know last year seemed like a, a great opportunity for that. They didn't go that direction. Kansas, of course, everyone was yeah was calling one for of that. those schools. I mean, they should give it a shot. Yeah, or even I guess I guess you could even move up to a you know a higher G five school. That's always a possibility too. Yeah, you could a Mountain West or AAC school. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks again for the question. And Trey, what's next? Our next one is from at CFB complainer, new OT rules, like or dislike. So he or she here is obviously talking about the alternating two point conversions after the fourth overtime. Yeah, well, maybe one or two games a year go that long. So honestly, I don't even really care. I mean, it's not a big deal (laughs) to me. Um, and then the other overtime rule that was implemented was the that two minute rest period after the second and fourth overtimes. Like that's just stupid to me. I mean, come on. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. Again, it doesn't really matter that much. No, but, it's. I mean, it was that A and M LSU game. Obviously, last year was super fun to watch. So it's a little bit sad that I guess we won't be seeing anything like that. But I will say the two point conversion back and forth. It's it's kind of like a shootout. It's like yeah, college football's version of a shootout. So that that'll be really fun too. Hopefully a game gets there this year. All right, our next question comes from at Deloid69 and he says if you could make a dream coaching staff from head coach down to position coaches, who would you choose? Would you go more towards a great recruiter or a solid mind who is going to grow the kids in talent? And so for this one, instead of going through an entire coaching staff top to bottom, which might take us a while. Let's go head coach, offensive coordinator, coordinator, defensive coordinator, recruiting coordinator or lead recruiter, however you want to say it, and then special teams coach. So Trey, what do you got? Yeah, so I, I went with the the mindset of using current coaches only. I didn't go historic. Sure. So for currently, for head coach, I'm going to get a little grief about this, but I'm going James Franklin. Oh, I, I, whoa. whoa! That is man. Wow! I know you're a James Franklin guy, but whoa! I've liked him since his Vandy days. I lean to more of a rah-rah motivator, and and he's a players' coach, a guy that can recruit. You know, he's recruited well to Penn State, and and if you look at it, like I know he kind of started slow, but since then he's he's been technically just a couple plays away from playing in some even bigger games. Uh, they did win a Big Ten championship, even, and that's with sharing the same division as Ohio State and Michigan with with the likes of Urban Meyer and, and Jim Harbaugh. So that's I went with uh, Franklin as my head coach. I mean, it's it's your dream team. We can't tell you what to dream. I guess so. Yeah, he's he's your dream guy. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, all right. Well, I'll move on to my head. Oh, coach we're just then. start. Okay. All right. We'll do it. Yeah. Sure. Just do head coaches. Uh, well, first to answer kind of his question on overall, like recruiters or guys that'll develop on your staff, I think you need a, a bit of a mix. I mean, you can't just have ace recruiters and then average coaches, but yeah, the bare minimum, I mean, you can't be a coach if you don't recruit at least average. I mean, you just, you can't have that because if you're a position coach and you coach like D line and that you're not a good coach, you're not a good recruiter, then your position is going to end up stinking. So you at least got to be average there. Um, but moving on to my head coach, Nick Saban. 
just yep. you can't argue with results. So does it everywhere. I went with Nick Saban as well. I mean, if I was going to go rah-rah, I would have gone Dabo Sweeney. But Yeah, exactly. I thought Dabo would have been a de- uh, He yeah. would have been acceptable. <laughs> I just wanted to go against the grain, of That's course. That's fine. Well, you certainly did. Uh, okay, for offensive coordinator. Now, hear me out on this one. Josh Heupel. He, he's the head coach and the offensive coordinator for UCF. <sighs> okay, but what about Lincoln Riley? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The guys who's had the, the number one offense for three straight years and two straight number one draft picks. Okay, but again, <laughs> but. I, my thing with Lincoln Riley is he inherited so much from Bob Stoops. And I know uh, he was even there right before Stoops, but just for before Stoops left. But yeah, I look at like Heupel had a great one with Oklahoma's offense. Then in his brief stint at Mizzou. Even at Mizzou, they that offense improved from 124th to 13th the year he got there, and then it his next year it was seventh, and then he obviously inherited Frost's offense at UCF and and did seem to do well even even at the very end without without uh, Mackenzie Milton. So I went against the grain again. Yeah, all right, that's that's fine. That, I mean, you you backed it up there with some some statistics for Hypo though, so you know, not not bad. Um. I'm going to go with the current offensive coordinator, um, Kendall Bryles. Uh, uh, I like that. If, you, if you're going just offensive coordinators, I like that. Yeah, I'm not taking like a, you know, Dabo. Like, I can't take a head coach right now. This That's the way I took this question. Yeah, me too. No, you didn't because okay. you chose. Not, you, you chose, chose Heupel. Your- no, I know, but but Heupel, Heupel is listed. as They don't have an offensive coordinator. Oh, he I is, gotcha. So he is ah, the head wow. coach and offensive coordinator. Like Oklahoma probably has an offensive coordinator. Okay, but Lincoln but Riley. He, yeah, he's calling the shot. Yeah. I, I totally get it. So I went Lincoln Riley. Three straight years, number one in S and P plus. So yeah, I mean it's hard. I, it, it's hard to argue that. I'm not. I'm not going to debate that. I'm interested to see what Kendall's Browse is going to do at FSU this year. That's uh, is it? He's got his work cut out for him, but he does. But man, he was able to make that FAU offense really That's good. That's what I'm talking about. Basically, man. without he, a quarterback, I don't know how he did that. Yeah, exactly. And then Houston, of course, uh, very good as well. Yeah, did well. Okay, so you guys are probably going to laugh at my defensive coordinator then, but. The re- this is going to prove that I'm going more recruiting, um, but he's also backed it up with on-field success. But he's young. It's Jimmy Lake at Washington. That's not ridiculous okay. at all. Yeah. No, yeah. They've had a really good day. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So he, he's young and raw, but his recruiting ability, he's one of the top recruiters in the country. He's worked under Chris Peterson at Boise and obviously now at UW, UW and they've thrived in both spots. And he's... He's developed guys like Buda Baker, Sidney Jones, Kevin King, Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy. Like the list goes on. So that's just in a few years. So I, I'm going Jimmy Lake. Yeah, I like that pick actually. I didn't really think about him, but that's a good one. Um, I went Dave Aranda, uh, LSU's D coordinator. He's had six straight years of having a top 15 total defense, and that's at three different schools from Utah State to Wisconsin, now to LSU. So he always has a great defense and. Plus, when it's run well, the three-four defense is like is my favorite defense. I think it's the best when you got the talent and you got the scheme and the coaching to do it. So that's why I choose him. Okay, I'm going with Brent Venables. Not a creative pick, but yeah, he's had an amazing run at Clemson, and he was really good at Oklahoma too. So yep, he was. He's proven it at multiple places. Yeah, they would they would love him back there now. <laughs> yeah, they definitely would. Uh, recruiting coordinator. I'm going to go look at 
a school like Clemson. They've done really well. I'm going to go Brandon Streeter. Uh, he's been their recruiting coordinator since 2014. And the thing I like about Clemson and, and their success is they, they bring in top talent, but, and, but they're winning, they're winning national titles and conference titles, but they're not always a top five class. They do very well at getting the right talent that fit their systems and schemes. Yeah. They don't have a lot of guys transferring out. So no, yeah, that's true. Taven Feaster, breaking news, just announced he was transferring out. But again, that's, that's rare. Yep. Um, all right. That's a good one. I went with, uh, Dennis Simmons, uh, wide receiver coach from OU. Uh, he, he landed three of the best receivers in the nation this past year. Uh, two of them were from Texas and the other one was from Georgia. So he took them from some big time programs and it's the best receiver hall I think I've ever seen. So, and he's been, and he was in on a, a lead recruiter as a bunch of other guys they had too. So I'm going with him. All right. Well, I, I, cheated on this one i mean i cheated i guess sort of with offensive coordinator going with lincoln riley and here i i looked at it as more of just like kind of a not recruiting coordinator more like the lead recruiter a guy that i'm really just going to send out to recruit and so i chose Dabo sweeney what? you know just a well you know just a softer face of the program on the recruiting trail you know like nick saban is is the private head coach he's in there at practice just grilling everybody and Dabo is you know doing interviews and he's whining and dining so you didn't you took it as you could take any coach you wanted for any position that is how i took it that is how i took it (laughs) okay all right (laughs) yeah it's his list whatever all right finally finally we got the special teams coach now i went with again my theme is a little bit lean towards recruiting uh larry porter from auburn he's been the national recruiter of the year twice and is now one of the highest paid special teams coaches in the country Prior to Auburn, he did pretty well, actually did very well with special teams at North Carolina, and he's starting to do the same at Auburn. All right. Good one. Um, I went Bob Gregory from uh, UW. John Ross, Dante Pettis, who set the NCAA record for most punt return touchdowns. Um, And Pettis was a good athlete, but I mean, he wasn't like incredible. So I think think Bob Gregory certainly knows what he's doing. He's had some great special teams up there. Okay. I went with uh john harbaugh no i'm just kidding uh (laughs) i'm going but i'm going kyle whittingham so over the last 13 years utah special teams have averaged being in the 90th percentile of s&p plus so they're pretty much always really good on special teams he was actually a special teams coach early in his career so it's not totally cheating here and you know it's something he (laughs) not at all definitely emphasizes so I've got a star-studded coaching staff. You yeah. guys, oh, well. man. <laughs> Maybe I took this one a little too literal. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Ryan, you got a top five list for us? Yes, uh, I do have a top five list. And uh, boy, this was, uh, this was a tough, tough one to come up with because I wanted to say a lot more than just five. It's the top five stadiums that I want to see or go see. Okay, um, can you give some credit to the inspiration for this list? Yeah, it was Rutgers Todd, right? It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Thank you, Rutgers Todd, for the great idea. I'm not going to Piscataway, though, so sorry. <laughs> Maybe someday. Um, all right. So I'm going to start with number five, Clemson Memorial Stadium, otherwise known as Death Valley. Uh, this probably would not have been in my top five five years ago, uh, but with that program reaching the elite, I feel like the atmosphere there has gone through the roof, so... 
I think it would be awesome just to see them enter the field like that. That'd be that'd be pretty darn cool. Is it is it the real Death Valley? Oh man. Well, they do have a rock <laughs> from the Death Valley, so. All right. Pretty cool, right? Point for Clemson. <laughs> All right, number four, Ohio Stadium. Uh, Buckeyes, it'd be cool to go see the shoe, see the band, see them dot the I. Ton of tradition there, and they're always good. Um, ideally, you'd go when they when they face the Maze and Blue, just to see that type of atmosphere. That'd be awesome. Uh, so the shoe would be number four on my list. Moving on to number three, this probably wouldn't be in maybe everybody's top five, but I want to go to uh, Neyland Stadium, you know, in Knoxville. Yeah, that yeah, would, why not? Tennessee, you know, they obviously haven't been great on the field lately, but I mean, the atmosphere at their games, all the orange, it still seems really, really cool. Um, you know, it's sitting right on the Tennessee River. That seems awesome. Maybe you could go to the game on the boat like, like they do there. Um, I just think it would be cool to go, and Nebraska actually plays there in uh, 2027, so... <laughs> I think I think we got to go there then. Yeah, let's do it. We're doing a live show. Let's do a live show from Neyland Stadium that day. That would be awesome. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, Neyland Stadium number three, number two. I got Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, hmm. It's just the tradition there and the the history. I mean, it's not supposed to be the nicest stadium out there, um, but it's just hard to beat. You know, Notre Dame Stadium. Touchdown, just, Jesus! Yeah, that would be pretty pretty cool to to experience that. And number one, I have the other Death Valley in LSU, oh. Tiger Stadium. I mean, when you think of SEC night games, it might be the first one that comes to your mind, just being in that stadium for that. It would just be so cool, whether it's at Alabama, at LSU, Florida, whatever, just a night game in Death Valley. It's like, oh, I want to experience that. All right. that Yeah, that was a good list. I mean, it's. I feel bad leaving out so many of these schools. There's so many ones that I do want to see. You know, like the Swamp or you know, Michigan Stadium, Jordan Air. It's just Bryant Denny. I don't know. There's pretty much any SEC school except for like Vandy and maybe even toss in Mizzou. But oh, <laughs> oh poor Vandy and Mizzou. Well, I mean, I would go, but you know, they're 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 lower on the totem pole. All right. Very nice, Ryan. Thanks again, Rutgers Todd. And now let's get to a voicemail we received. Hey, bros. This is David from Georgia. I was wondering with all the recent stuff coming out with Dan Mullen taking shots in Georgia with his spring game attendance totals and all that, what do you think the talent gap is between Georgia and Florida and not just necessarily Florida with the rest of the East? And also uh, with Georgia losing all of his core receivers, what do you think? veteran talent like D-Rod coming from grad transfer, what do you think they're going to step up and do? Or do you think it's going to come from the young freshmen that are coming in? Thanks for the content. Go dogs. All right. Yeah. Thanks for the call, David. So if I'm Dan Mullen, I'd be a little careful poking the bear right now. (laughs) Uh, You know, Georgia's the top dog and, and I get you're trying to rile up the Gators, but maybe be careful. And so you guys know I, I love Dan Mullen. I'm high on him, and I think he's going to do great. But when you really think back to this past year, they were semi-fortunate to get into the New Year's Six. Then they faced a Michigan team that was completely dejected after getting crushed to Ohio State and missing the playoff. So all of a sudden, that, that one Michigan win has kind of made them, I feel, a little bit overrated. So, sure. you know, that I think they're going to be good, but... Uh, but maybe just be careful poking the bear. Now, as far as the second part of his question about talent, 
Uh, right now in the East, it's pretty much Georgia and everyone else. Uh, you know, Florida and Tennessee, they have talent, but they're just not at Georgia's level at the moment. I think Florida's going to close the gap. Tennessee, if they start winning, will close the gap. Mm-hmm. But now for Kirby Smart, you know, step one was to get the talent. Step two is now to develop the talent. So I think the youth is going to what is going to start stepping up for them this season. Right. Yeah, I agree with mostly what you said there. And I mean, if you looked at the the 2018 team talent composite on 247 or 24-7, excuse me, uh, Georgia was third and Florida was 12th. And I would imagine that number would be relatively similar this year again. So for, Georgia definitely has the talent talent edge, um, but it, it's not a significant difference, but it's clear. Um, and then I, I think Florida is still, though, ahead of Tennessee, um, with a little bit behind them. And then there's a big gap to the rest of the East, you know, South Carolina, Kentucky, Mizzou. They're even, I think Tennessee is even more talented than, than those squads. But I mean, the, there was those receivers, like you mentioned, they're, they're losing a lot. I mean, Nada, Hardman, um, Godwin, Ride, uh, Ridley. That's going to, that's some tough shoes to fill. And maybe Jake Fromm's numbers might get hurt a little bit because he's having to throw it to a bunch of new faces. I mean, they do have some talented players. Lawrence Cager, the Miami transfer, he's solid. I don't think he's quite at the level of some of the other guys they lost. No. Um, and then they landed some great high school freshmen. Dominic Blaylock's going to be a stud eventually. Um, and George Pickens, they got him late uh, as well. But they're going to be freshmen. So to expect them to play at the level of those other guys, I don't know. I think you'll see Fromm's numbers drop a little bit this year, even though it's going to have a great year. Yeah. And those freshmen, none of them are early enrollees. So you right. know, they're not even on campus yet. That That hurts. Yep. Um, another guy you didn't mention, though, that is solid in the receiving core, J.J. Holloman, of course. So mm-hmm. there, you know, there are there is talent there. It's not going to be a bad group. It's no, just no. Yeah, it's just not going to be as good as last year. Yeah. And even Kirby Smart. I mean, he's been there's been some quotes from him that are as negative as you'll hear a coach talk about his own team. You know, he said that wide receivers, the biggest drop off on their team compared to last year. So it is a concern. I think the guy he mentioned the guy that David mentioned, Demetrius Roberts, Robertson, he's really the chance for kind of a true game breaker receiver. I have no idea what happened with him last year. Of course, he's the the transfer from Cal, right. didn't have a catch last year, um, but maybe you know another year removed from injury, he can return to his previous form. That's that's a wild card. If, if he does that, then it'll be a very good receiving core. Yep, I agree. All right, what's next, Trey? Yeah, from at Nick Twenty Lee, Big Ten Power Rankings. So Michael is going to take care of the Big Ten East, and Ryan, you will take care of the Big Ten West. So Michael, let's uh, let's hear the East. All right, thank you so much for giving me the easier division to, <laughs> to rank. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, man. God, East is pie. <laughs> the West is like, oh my god, that is very difficult. So we'll get to it. Um. Before I give my rankings, I want to say we haven't done our full research for the 2019 season, so I do reserve the right to change this in a couple months. But for now, I've got number one, Michigan. Whoa. I know. I know. Obviously, it's close between them and Ohio State. But I don't think the difference between those teams last year was as much as it appeared in that one game sample when they played each other. And, you know, if if Pigram had completed that two-point conversion, I think it was the week before that game uh, for Maryland, they would have beat Ohio State and Michigan would have won the Big Ten East. So they were really that close last year. And now, of course, Ohio State loses Haskins. They lose Urban Meyer. 
And I just I like what's going on at Michigan right now, especially offensively with Josh Gaddis coming in, modernizing the offense. I like the weapons they have there. And then Don Brown, even with losses, they always have a great defense. So I have Michigan number one. And then, of course, number two, I have Ohio State. And, you know, I am high on Justin Fields. I do think he's going to be really good. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins in the backfield. That's a a nice one-two punch. But they lose four starters from the O-line. That's a little bit of a concern. And the defense, of course, is going to be really talented again. But it was super talented last year and, you know, didn't live up to expectations. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Number three, Penn State. Trey's yep. number one dream coach, Dreamboat, James Franklin. <laughs> He's built up the talent there. Uh, and I like the defense this upcoming year. Gitor Gross Matos, one of the best pass rushers in the country. And of course, you would expect Micah Parsons, the now sophomore, former five star linebacker. He's going to break out as a full time starter. But my concern with them is, is the offense and, and mainly quarterback, Sean Clifford. He's likely going to be a significant downgrade from Trace McSorley. So that kept him out of the top two. Number four, I have Michigan State. Of course. The defense is still going to be really good, assuming Kenny Willekes is back healthy from that injury. And I think they're going to be a lot better offensively. They better be because they were (laughs) very bad last year. The entire offensive line is back. I'm not sure if that's a good thing, but, you know. They can't be worse. They couldn't be worse, I don't think. Although last year I said I didn't think Rutgers quarterback play could get any worse. And then... You saw what happened. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I think O-line will be a little bit improved at least. And most importantly, I think Brian Lewerke is going to be a lot better this year. Last year wasn't fully healthy, of course, behind that really bad O-line. So I, I kind of like Michigan State this year a little bit. Whenever you expect them to be down is when they surprise. And whenever they have high expectations is when they go down. So yeah, Mark D'Antonio is, is not bad for long usually. So yeah, exactly. I, they'll bounce back. Not that they had a horrible year. But yeah, I was going to say, not that they were bad last year. but yeah. uh, Fifth, I have Indiana. I like Indiana this year. So yeah. they were 2-7 and seven in Big Ten play last year, but a lot of those games were competitive. Peyton Ramsey's very solid at quarterback, or if Jack Tuttle overtakes him, that's probably a good sign. And then overall, the team is 12th in the country in returning production. So I think they're headed for a bowl game this year. All right, you guys are very quiet. I, I'm assuming it's quiet agreement. No, I, I like of, the Hoosiers. Yeah, I mean, it, except for the Ohio State-Michigan one, too, I, I am totally in agreement so far. Okay. Well, I think, well, these next two are, are probably easy to order. Yeah. Sixth is Maryland with new head coach Mike Loxley. I like their skill talent. They brought Josh Jackson in at quarterback to compete with Pigram. And then I love Anthony McFarlane at running back. I think it, he could have a huge year. But offensive line, defensive line major question marks on both sides so that put them sixth and then finally seventh i have rutgers i think they're easily the worst team on paper by far the worst quarterback situation in the conference so easy decision there yeah easy choice there pretty easy list overall michigan ohio state you that was uh interesting but you it's it's reasonable to put michigan one michael now just for to play devil's advocate if if urban meyer was still at ohio state do you think you'd still have Michigan? Well, and actually, that's I'm asking the wrong person because you're so pro Michigan, and no, and I like Michigan too. But what if Urban Meyer was still there? What do you think? I would definitely be more likely to put Ohio State number one because yeah, Urban Meyer's never lost to Jim Harbaugh. So let's say it would have made it a tougher decision. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I will start with the West now. Um, it's so hard. Um, 
one through five, I think there's, it's just interchangeable. You could pick anyone and I would have no problem with it. But number one, I am going to go with, uh, I'm going to take Wisconsin at number Ooh, one. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, they've kind of been the class of the conference or that, that, that division for a good five or six years. Um, and last year was a little bit of a down year. Their defense wasn't quite as dominant. They had some injuries that really held them back. Um, and obviously Hornybrook held them back. Uh, <laughs> but you know, their, their old line returns a lot of starters. They have Jonathan Taylor coming back. Uh, and I'm thinking their quarterback play is going to be better. So maybe at least, at least less interception. So I, that's got to be good. Um, so I'm taking Wisconsin. I think they'll bounce back. Num- and, and then number two, I am going to go with Northwestern. Um, oh my goodness, Ryan. Now you are being very tempered here with leaving well, Nebraska. This is shocking. I, I'm sorry, but the, Northwestern went eight and one last year in the conference and they're going to get an upgrade at quarterback this year. Um, nothing against Clayton Thornton, Thorson, but he just was average. Uh, and Hunter Johnson coming the transfer from Clemson. He was a big time recruit, much better passer, uh, you know, so I think he'll probably be an upgrade and they just, they just find ways to win. It's what they do. So uh, you can't argue with eight and one last year. So yeah, number three, uh, I'm going to Iowa. Um, they just, they're always solid eight and four ish type of years. Nathan Stanley comes back. I mean, I know they lose a lot of skill talent. Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson are, are going to be, that's going to hurt for sure. But they always produce guys at those positions. The tight ends, they always replace them. Linebackers, they always replace. So they just have a system in place. Their D-line is going to be really good. AJ Epinesa is a beast. So Yeah, they did lose a lot off the D-line too, though. Anthony Nelson turning pro. Yeah, I mean, they did, but they'll still be good. They they always have solid solid line play. And their line should actually be pretty darn good this year. So I put them know, at you, three. It, you know what else is funny? The, the NFL draft obviously just happened, and Iowa, they had their their two tight ends got drafted in the first round. I mean, what that's crazy. First of all, the two crazy. tight ends go in the first round, much less from the same school. That I, that was crazy. <laughs> Pretty nuts. Um number four, I put Nebraska. Um I mean, they did they went four and eight, obviously, last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh but you could make the case for them to be number one for sure, just because of the the talent they have at quarterback and the year two under Scott Frost, you expect a, a much bigger jump. And the way they finished last year, of course, they went four and two and almost won at Iowa and at Ohio State. So, but I don't know. I, I kind of got to see it before I believe it. It's like, yeah, they okay. should, but yeah, they should for a while. So I'm going to stay a little bit reserved on Nebraska. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and I will say, obviously, I mean, you have them behind some some pretty good teams, but... I think if people are are looking at Nebraska with a baseline of hey they were four and eight last year, I think that's a little bit of a mistake because you know they had some bad luck in close games. That was really more of a six and six team that ended up going four and eight, right? You know? And they clearly turned a corner second half of the year. They were right, totally different team. So, um, and then number five, I have Purdue. Uh, it's again they're right there. I mean they could definitely make a run at it. Uh, Rondell Moore is <laughs> electric. They do have to replace David Blau. Um, but, you know, Sindelar showed some promise a couple years ago, but then he kind of stunk it up to begin the year. So that's a concern. I think Blau is just better. Yeah. Um, and it's a concern if Sindelar can stay healthy. He never seems to be able yeah, to do that, that. Yeah, that's true. That too. So there's a concern there. Their defense, we'll see if they can keep it up. I'm not totally certain they'll be able to. So, but I mean, Jeff Brom's a great coach, so I, I'm not going to bet him against him to, to, have a bad year then i think we see a little bit of a a dip here so one through five 
kind of have some arguments. I think there's a one more step to number six is Minnesota. I know they're on the upswing, it seems like, and they certainly finished last year strong, but I still think their talent level um, is still a little bit a little bit lacking. And I don't think their defense is all that great. I know they, they did get better, but still, row not the quite boat, there. Row the boat, Ryan. Row the boat. I know, row the boat. Their quarterback situation, Mang, you know, they're okay. Mangum's not like some all-star, and Annex Stead's okay, but I don't see the difference makers there. So I, I'm I'm leaving them at sixth. All right. And first of, of course, all, Ryan, first of all, I'm going to just step in and disagree here. First of all, I disagree with your characterization of, of their quarterback's last name. Mangum. First of all. <laughs> Morgan. Tanner Mangum. Oh, I said Mangum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a that's BYU. Like from BYU. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Tanner Morgan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm high on Minnesota going into next year. I really like their skill talent. Ibrahim at running back. Tyler Johnson at receiver. The O-line solid. I think the offense is going to be much improved. Um, they had a great bowl game too. They did. They had a great end of the season. I mean, you did mention that Ryan, but I don't know. I'm, I'm high on Minnesota going into next year. Higher than you are. It sounds like. So, you know, I, I just don't think they're as good as the other squads in, in the big 10 West. I mean, they could, I see them as a bowl team, but just, I don't think they can win the conference division or the division. Okay. So number seven, Illinois fighting a lie. And I, they are still significantly behind the rest of the pack. In that I mean they're better than Rutgers but you know they're in the east so I don't remember a division more up in the air than this I mean this is crazy I really think you Ryan you say five teams can win it I I think you could even add Minnesota that I mean you could throw in Minnesota to win that but it's it's yeah. insane it is really Illinois is the only team that has no chance right right the the Pac-10 uh, or the Pac-12 South last year was pretty open True, true. That's another good example. Yeah. yeah. But even la- but even in the South, you didn't really know that at the beginning of the year. True. Yeah, that's true. You kind of thought, well. You thought USC. You, kinda, you thought SC might be better. And- yeah, that's true. You, you didn't think they'd be that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on, boys. Uh, let's see. Our next question. Uh, Wayland Frank at Bookman10. Um, so, in my youth, I would ride my skateboard to the handy way to buy a peach nehi nehi and a zero bar i don't know uh even now the combo makes me feel 10 years old again what's the one snack that takes you back in time so for me i i'm a renowned cookie monster it's the el fudge cookies i i can vividly remember being introduced to these uh (laughs) by one of my friends everyone remembers their first (laughs) <laughs> I, I I vividly do. I really do. Every time I buy a pack, I think back to the time where when I ate my first one. I I don't. I get all like sentimental about it, but no, I don't get them that much anymore. But I still love them. All right. God, that sounded really weird. <laughs> yeah. Who Who was the friend? Uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, just to address the question, have you guys heard of anything he said in that question? Yeah, what is he talking? I had a hard time reading that question. <laughs> it, was, it was like, what well, is we, this? we noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a southern thing because, yeah, handy way. I assume that's some sort of grocery yeah. store or, or like Quickie Mart or something. Peach Nehi, don't know. Zero Bar, also don't know. Maybe that's just us. We're from the West Coast, but yeah, I, I let us know on Twitter at CFB Bros if yeah if you enjoyed those. Um, so for me, it was uh, it's Cold Stone. Going to Coldstone. I used to ride my bike there all the time with my best friend growing up. 
and can vividly remember the first time I was nervous and shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Coldstone, though. Who was who was your best friend there? Dean Kirkpatrick? Uh, John Payton. Oh, yeah, John Payton, of course. Sorry, Dean. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, For me, it's got to be the uh, the little Debbie Swiss rolls. Uh, oh, Nick, Nick Saban in the house. Oh, yeah. Or no, he yeah, likes those the... Are, what does he like? The oatmeal ones. Oh, the oatmeal. Okay. Or no, the Little Debbie oatmeal pies. Yeah. 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 Well, the Little Debbie Swiss rolls. I mean, the, the vanilla on the inside, chocolate. I used to have those like as my nighttime snack. Um, oh, you know what I should have said? Pop-Tarts. That's a good one. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah. Because that good. was our bedtime snack like as kids. <laughs> that really that really looks great on our mother yeah it's just a bedtime <laughs> snack every night we had some pop tarts every once in a while normally it was something else broccoli sure um did you uh did do you when you have them now do you microwave them i mean not microwave do toast you them? Uh, toast them <laughs> do i microwave little debbie no 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 pop tarts oh pop tarts <laughs> and toast toast them. i honestly i don't remember the last time i had one uh but i ne- i never used to i don't believe i didn't i wouldn't put them in the toaster they're so much better they're so much better when you they toast are them. so much better i liked them both w- both ways but in the toaster they were better or even if you just did like a five second ten second microwave still good it says doesn't it say on the box like microwave for three seconds or something i thought that was a joke or, okay yeah maybe it's maybe it's that whatever no, i don't know could explode after five well you take the foil off of course no. well clearly <laughs> all right anyway <laughs> thanks for the question waylon we yeah. digress uh next question at yihan ala 04 says will there be or no will this be the year an SEC team is beaten in a regular season out of conference bowl or CFP game that it really wanted to win and wasn't exhausted by playing its SEC schedule prior to the game. The last year this happened, we believe, was in 1957. Please fact check for me. Thank you. Wow. Yeehan just loves <laughs> throwing the shade at the SEC. He loves to bash the SEC, <laughs> which, hey. You know, well, I guess we gave him a platform here. So, yeah, <laughs> I love the snark. Yeah. But I think that one's rhetorical. So I don't think there's anything to answer there. Uh, so that'll do it for the College Football Bros podcast. Once again, if you like the show, please leave a five star review. Retweet the episode when we post it on Twitter. Share the episode on Facebook if you could. We'd really appreciate any of those things. And we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.